1: Welcome to Bits of Gold, episode 116. Today's episode is all about when to jump from the job you have to the life you truly want. Welcome back to another episode of the Bits of Gold podcast. If you're new here, first off, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Second, don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. More subscribers help attract more amazing guests to help better serve you with amazing content on how to live with purpose. Now let's get to it. Have you ever had a job that just didn't light you up? It pays the bills. It gives you stability, security, maybe even some comfort, but you're not pulled by the work you're doing. When you wake up in the morning, you just don't want to get out of bed. If this sounds like you, this episode is for you. Maybe you've already identified something else that does pull you out of bed in the morning. You may have already defined your dream, your goals, your aspirations for what you really want in your life. And if you had that magic wand, you would wave it and live your dream life tomorrow. It turns out you're not alone. And that's exactly what we'll be discussing on today's episode. Today, my guest is Mike Lewis. Mike is a member of the Sustainable Finance Group at Goldman Sachs, where he focuses on impact investing and helps lead global climate partnerships. Earlier in his career, Mike was a venture and growth equity investor at Bain Capital. And while there, he founded When to Jump, a media and reskilling platform and community for working professionals globally. He authored the book, When to Jump, If the job you have isn't the life you want, published it worldwide and distributed it to over 50 countries and six languages following its release. His book, Went to Jump, has inspired so many to leave the job they have in order to go and pursue the life they truly want. In this episode, we discuss when it's the right time to jump, the importance of jumping, regardless if you achieve your dreams, and the power of your jump. Now, let's welcome Mike to the show. Awesome, Mike. Welcome to the Bits of Gold podcast. So pumped to have you on today. Yeah, thanks so much for having
2: me. I really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, so I was browsing on LinkedIn, came across someone said your book "When to Jump" is a must read for really just about anyone, and bought it that day and was totally captivated by the theme, the message of "When to Jump," and really excited to share your story today. Yeah, well, thanks so much for having me, and,
2: and you know, just to say first, I. Uh, appreciate what you're doing and your mission and your goals and objectives with your podcast. I think this is the type of content that I, w- I wish I had access to when I was thinking making my jump 10 years ago. And it's something that you know, I think continues to help steward people in this type of conversation. So happy to be here and hopefully you know, some part of my story is useful for the listeners.
1: Absolutely. For those that haven't heard of the book, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you do, and a little bit about the book? Yeah, sure. So I grew up in New York City, actually,
2: where you're uh, out uh, your way. We moved when I was a few years old to Tennessee and then to California a few years after that. So my teenage years were in Southern California, in Santa Barbara. I'm um, the youngest of six, always enjoyed kind of big family. Got into playing squash, the sport that's like racquetball that you know no one really has ever heard of, especially west of New York City. There was like seven kids playing competitive squash, and I was one of them in California. And I uh, convinced my parents to host a traveling player when I was just getting into the sport. He was traveling through the U.S. I was like 14. And I just remember thinking this guy's life is awesome. And I that became my dream. That was my jump. I wanted to go play pro squash and travel the world. And as you know, Dan, like it kind of, you know, life gets at you fast, as they say in Ferris Bueller. And like before you know it, it's been five years and 10 years. And I was on an awesome path. Like I'm sure many of your listeners can appreciate. I was going through... And checking boxes, I got a degree, I was lucky enough to get a four-year degree. I then went and was working in finance and a venture capital firm. But in the back of my mind, I was like, shoot, how do you know when to go do what you really love? And it wasn't that I wanted to do it that and only that, but I wanted to have that life experience. And so I found it very difficult to kind of get off the path. And so that was what led me to the book was collecting stories of other people who left something comfortable to go do what they loved. And as you, you said before you we went on to air today. You know, everyone's got something they're thinking about. And that's where the book came from is originally it was content to convince me it was okay to jump. And then ultimately I was sharing that content with the bartender, the bus passenger, the buddy at work, like someone at a happy hour. And so I realized whether you want to start a nonprofit, form a band, do a startup, we all have something we're thinking about. And that's, you know, something I really thought would help other people. And sadly, I had my own kind of engagement with, with mortality in the sense that a very close friend of mine passed away when I was two months into playing the tour. And so I probably wasn't going to do anything with that book idea. I'd scribbled a cover page sketch two years earlier, showed it to my buddy Corey Griffin. He started the Ice Bucket Challenge, if you remember that, for a friend of his who has ALS. You know, he passed away. I remember thinking that's something I could finish at his honor. So I went out to write this book really in honor of him. And I didn't know if it'd be a book. I just was going to give it my best shot.
1: Oh, amazing. Early on, you know, a lot of people have dreams as a young kid, as a young child. And as they progress, I feel we talked about this a little bit before we jumped into the show here, but I feel a lot of people put their dreams on hold or settle or decide at some point after college, once they're on some path that this is my life now and I can't jump or I'm not going to jump or the life I'm living today is the life I'm going to live forever. Why do you think people aren't more actively living through the lens of, I'm going to pursue my dreams indefinitely, like that we have as a child?
2: Well, I think part of it's a blend of reality. And I think a big part of it is cultural. I think it's social and it's just how I would call pressure. So I think that we all have dreams and we're kids and we're a lot of times given the luxury to go think of different ideas to have and to have passions to pursue But very quickly, you become kind of keeping up with the Joneses. You know, it it could be just trying to get into a good high school. Then it's making sure your grades are good to try to go to a good college. Then it's like, well, make sure that you can afford, you know, a nice apartment in the city. And then it's like, well, then really try to work towards supporting a family, which is all very true. But along the way, it's like, well, how big is your house? And how nice is your job title? And do you have a luxury car? And do you have a big house? And, you know, do you belong to that country club? And so I think, like, it's just very easy to get sucked into, I guess, some people about the rat race, but just kind of inertia, which is you do one thing, then another thing, then another thing. And I think there's a misnomer that that's like all bad. I don't think that it's bad. I think that people sometimes want to do other things, a lot of times do, and they just don't know when they want to kind of take a step off that. And so that's what When to Jump in the Book yeah. is about, is how do you kind of take a break from that and get yourself off that path? And It's not easy. It takes planning. There's real tactics. I call it 10,000 unsexy steps that are needed. It's not an overnight kind of dream that you can just wake up one day and you're floating, you know, uh, in a lagoon (laughs) off the coast of Fiji and it all worked out. Like I think social media sometimes makes it seem that easy, but anything, anything that that's worthy of chasing is going to be an investment. And so I don't think that should be confused with it's not worth doing. I just think that when you combine a well-oiled path, plus a lot of friction and uncertainty to go off it, it makes it very hard to kind of get out of the ridges.
1: Yeah, that makes complete sense. I was actually listening to something the other day, and the person was, was expressing that there's a cost to pursue your dreams, right? And a lot of people make excuses like, oh, well, I have this expensive apartment, or I have this expensive car. And the other person was saying, oh, well, there's a cost, and that's the cost, and you can get rid of those things. Fairly easily, if you really wanted to go and pursue your dreams.
2: Yeah, totally. It's certainly not an impossible thing. Like, I think that in these days, and you're an entrepreneur, I'm an entrepreneur, like, there's a lot of different ways you can make a living. It's not easy. Someone once told me, my dad, I think, it's like, it's not how much you make, it's how much you spend. And so, a lot of people get caught up being like, once I make this much money, well, guess what? If you have lifestyle creep and all of a sudden you have nicer things and you have nicer expenses and more expensive things to kind of cover, then you're not any closer to financial freedom. And so there's a lot of podcasts and experts much sharper than I am on that. In fact, a good friend of mine runs a personal wellness app for finance called Chronify. It's definitely someone actually worth having on your show, but my friend Ben, and like all the app does is tell you, hey, you've got these different goals. Here's what you can do to reduce your savings and your spending to get there. But that stuff's hard. Like you said, it's the choices we probably don't often need to make that we have to make if we're going to make these jumps possible. So for me, like I sold most of my things. I saved up money for a long time. I had a different bank account that I diverted money to so that I didn't even get tempted to spend it. Like It was pretty financially disciplined because it had to be. And that's the kind of resilience and planning and focus that you need if you're going to make a jump.
1: Hmm. It's definitely funny. And I, th- I think, you know, you hit the nail on the head. But, you know, I feel like for a lot of people who are saying, oh, I don't, I don't love my job, or I don't like the life I'm living, that person chose whether intentional or unintentional, in some ways, choose the lifestyle that led them to that point, making it very difficult to ultimately make the change and actually, for practical reasons, make a jump.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's like, you can't control what's happened to you. and You can control everything after that. And so, you know, fortunately, or unfortunately, there's a story out there, that can show any of us that we are more than our circumstances and we can kind of have that life. And I think that's scary for some people. It's almost easier to be like, well, you know, I could never do that. So it's, it's an easy, and that's okay. People feel like, you know, that they're choosing a life because that's what they want to do. That's fine. Where it's not okay is where I feel like you think you're just, you have no agency at the core. That's what my book tries to show people is that you have agency to change your life, big way or small way.
1: Mm, love that. Could you speak a little bit to the 10,000 Unsexy Steps? Yeah, I I think it goes to
2: this framework I put together in the book, which is the jump curve. So to me, it starts with listening to the little voice. And then the 10,000 Unsexy Steps is really the phase two, which is to make a plan. And it's to follow every little piece of the planning, the scheduling, the logistics, the saving. You know, for me, I had to figure out who would be my insurance provider when I quit my job and moved to New Zealand to play a random sport where I could get injured I no longer have my health insurance. Like all these things that you don't think about, those are the 10,000 unsexy steps. And then the third phase is, well, at some point you got to jump, you know, and you have to let yourself be lucky. And that's what the third phase is called to let yourself collide with the good things that come from the meticulous planning, the connecting, the preparing, all of those little steps lead you to good stuff. But sometimes it takes making the jump to see. And then the fourth phase is once you do it, just don't look back. You know, you've put in the work, it might not look exactly as you planned, but if you've followed really the right kind of, you know, your own steps and planning and you've done.
0: That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN.
2: On these 10,000 unsexy steps, you'll be proud of where you're going and you won't have any regrets. And and I interviewed hundreds and hundreds of people that ultimately consummated this book of 40-something stories with this guidance. Not one person have I met that put in the work and then regretted where it took them.
1: Mm. Early on you landed your dream job out of school. It sounds like you landed your dream job in venture capital. And for many, that would be, you know, a, a dream job, a job that parents would praise, family, family, yeah. friends, friends would praise. How difficult was it when you said, Hey, I'm going to make this change? Was that like, because I'm sure you got a lot of pushback of people saying, You're what? You're going to do yeah. what?
2: Well, totally. I mean, and that's kind of the pressure point I mentioned earlier. It's not just like tactical, but what I think I said something, and this is, Awkward. I'm quoting myself, but I think I said something in the book, which was like, you know, what we think other people think of us matters. And basically what we think, you know, others opinions are of us, they do impact us. You know, I dress a certain way to be respected in a certain way. I say things, I do things like, and why wouldn't what you do for work be any different? Of course, what your occupation is matters. It matters. Like, let's start with family. So if my, if I left my job today and I was well, I'll use the example. I was in finance as a venture capitalist at 22. It's like done. Like that's great. Mike's made it. So for my family, they could be like at a cocktail party. It's like, oh, what is Mike doing? Oh, he's a venture capitalist. Well, a month later when I'm unemployed playing pro squash somewhere in New Zealand, that's a very different description. I was playing professional sports, professional squash, but still that's a pressure that I could I don't even know if my parents felt it, but I then felt that pressure because they had that pressure or I perceived them to have that pressure. Then there's social pressure, right? Like Mm. side friends starting businesses, selling it for a million dollars, retiring, all this stuff. And I was like traveling on the world, having a blast, but I had to be like, to check myself and be like, is this what I want? Because that's unsexy. There's unsexy parts of that. There's sexy parts of it, of traveling and all that. And I wouldn't change it for the world, but there's social pressure from that. There's financial pressure, you know, I wasn't really making a great living while I was doing that compared to finance for sure. And so those pressures, ironically, have found that it's less the tangible, it's less like, if only I had money and more about like, well, what would my friends think? And what would my parents think? Mm. And what would my neighbors think? That stuff's real. And hopefully the book helps you kind of confront that.
1: So you interview all these people, what would you say was the biggest thing that stood out to you consistently across the board with the people you interviewed about their stories of when to jump?
2: I think there was a unrelenting voice in their head. I mean, that was kind of what led me to the framework. There was this idea of like, kind of like you with podcasting, I know I want to be a podcaster, I'm going to kind of devote more and more time to it, I really want this to work. And that's just something that like doesn't go away. If you really believe something, it was this resilience of the ideas, how I would describe it. The next phase is, I would say, or the next kind of piece of the similarities would be discipline. Like I said, the 10,000 Sexy Steps. And my book kind of walks through all the different ways you should think about that. And then there was an acceptance of failure. So
1: speaking of failure, the people you interviewed who didn't actually achieve the dream that they set out on, the dream they set out to achieve, what did you learn or what did they learn as a result of at least the pursuit, but not actually achieving the goal that they had originally dreamt of?
2: What did they achieve? I think that ultimately, sometimes these decisions, if you, as I mentioned, if you really care about doing something and it's all you think about and you put in the time, the risk of not doing it is oftentimes then feels worse and bigger than the risk of doing something and failing. And I think that's why it was okay for those people where the jump didn't necessarily turn out. So I had a friend who moved to Southeast Asia to go to a startup airline. And guess what? It didn't work out. But he got to live abroad. He worked in an industry he cared about. He got to try a bunch of different roles out. And it set him up for the next thing he did. You know, And so I think he felt this, in his case, probably a feeling like, if I don't go do this, I'll really wonder what could have been. And I think that's, that eats away at people when you really, really care about making a jump and when you've planned for it.
1: For anyone listening to this who's sitting at work, at their desk, at home, and they're, they're thinking, I want to make change in my life. When's the right time to jump?
2: I think when it when you have a salient like what what I mean by that like a a solid idea that won't go away that you feel you would regret not taking. So any idea anyone listening to this, you know, episode or if you read the book, you know, there's a lot of ideas and content for inspiration there. But if you have something in your head that is in your head today and it's in your head in 6 months or a year, the odds are that that's going to stick with you and you'll feel some regret for not trying to address it. It doesn't mean it has to be a full jump. There's side jumps, there's part-time jumps, there's nights and weekends jumps. Like You can kind of sketch it out a little bit over time. You don't have to do all or nothing. Think about it like a relationship. You wouldn't just marry someone based on the idea of who they are. You'd spend time with them and you'd get to know them. And then over time, you'd be like, yeah, this makes sense. It's it's no different than taking a jump.
1: Mm. Yeah. In the book, I know you talked about right adventure, wrong time. And that one really resonated with me because there have been plenty of points in my life, my early 20s, where I wanted to jump ship and maybe I knew it was the right thing, but the wrong time.
2: Yeah, that's a great reference. That's something I thought about a lot. I mean, the book starts, for those who haven't read it, with me getting an opportunity overseas on a total whim in a fluke situation would have been an amazing and incredible adventure, but it was totally the wrong time. And that's exactly how I felt was like, right adventure that I wanted, it was to play squash and teach these citizens of Romania squash and be this head pro. And it was totally random it was on the last day of like a vacation. And I could just see my whole life continuing to evolve and not taking it. And I was like, okay, you know, it will continue to evolve, but I'm not going to not take it. I'm going to find the right adventure at the right time. That was five years before I actually ended up taking the job. Mm. I think if you take the right adventure at the wrong time, that's where a lot of people might find themselves astray where you jumped and you're like, oh, gosh, I have a family to feed or I'm in a you know tight financial situation like that's like, do not do that. That's not the time to take the jump. And so I think it is really important. Maybe it's not today, but it doesn't mean it's never. You just got to plan it out. You might say it could be a three year plan. I mean, I worked for several years before I took a jump. So it doesn't have to be like these things happen overnight. They shouldn't you know, don't be frustrated if you're actually saying, well, you know what, I'm going to plan this jump for six, six months or 18 months from now, as long as you start making progress, that's all that matters.
1: Yeah, I like how you even mentioned side jump, because I do feel like a lot of people today, at least don't live in the gray, they live in a very black and white where especially with social media, a lot of people think like, and like we spoke about earlier on in the show, a lot of people have immense pressure from family, family, friends, social media, saying, oh, I need to get out, I need to finish school and come out with the dream job or the best internship. I'm basically 29 now, but I've really felt like most of my 20s has been sort of putting on this explorer hat and trying a lot of different things and trying to figure out the things I like, the things I don't like. You know, I feel like I made side jumps, but when I'm ready to take full jump, you know, I, I will have had a lot of experiences at that point. Well, yeah,
2: there's a great book called Range, which is all about all the different experiences that, that a person can have that are actually very beneficial to have broad horizons in the thing you end up doing. And I think that's what your your twenties and thirties and however long you like that's that's what this time is for. It's not limited to just an age range, but oftentimes there are just less infrastructure obstacles, less fundamental kind of situations that are a little harder to navigate when you have a mortgage or kids and things like that. But still like having breath is really, really important. And I think there's again, there's a lot that can be done in between doing thinking about a dream and then going for it. That doesn't feel so risky. And that's, again, what, what my book kind of goes through is these little steps that de-risk it at every turn.
0: Mm.
1: If there's one thing you want the listeners to take away from why they should read the book or one of the bigger lessons you want them to get from the book, what would it be?
2: I think that, that a, a jump can be made by anybody. And honestly, what a jump comes down to is having an agency. It's saying, I'm not going to just let life happen to me. And I think that there's so many you know, folks in the world that like think that this is just the hand they were dealt and that's it. And I think hopefully from reading my book, you read from people from all different backgrounds, financial statuses, demographics, socioeconomic classes, and they have found a way to jump and they've had a way to, to make it worthwhile, win or lose, success or fail. They've done it and they're moving forward and they're proud of it. And I think that message hopefully will resonate with with anybody who has any semblance of an idea of, of a risk they want to take
1: amazing where can people connect with you buy the book yeah so
2: when to com is the easiest place to find everything about the books called when to jump if the job you have isn't the life you want and when to com slash book will tell you all the different places to go but you can get it on amazon barnes and noble bookstores wherever books are sold and there is an audio version as well Yeah, we'd love to hear
1: people's thoughts if they if they read it awesome well thanks for coming on the show mike
2: Yeah, really appreciate it. Keep doing all the great work that that you've been putting out. I think the stuff, like I said, at the top of the show is super important, and I appreciate you having me. Awesome.
1: All the links for this episode can be found in the show notes. If you plan to take a jump at a dream you have, shoot me a message. I'd love to hear from you on how you are planning to live your life with more intention and more purpose. Shoot me a message on Instagram at danlevgoldberg. Finally, if you can, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It would be greatly appreciated. That's all for today. Thanks for living with purpose today and every day, and I'll see you next time.